Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined by my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we're going to look ahead to the Ravens game against the Denver Broncos. The Ravens back home again and again, coming off a game in which they blew a late lead and lost 28-27 to at Jacksonville. It's a game that again leaves the Ravens scratching their heads and figuring out where they go from here. But the Ravens will be home against Denver, and we've got some other things to unpack this week as well. Before we do that, I want to remind you that all Believe in the Ravens podcasts are sponsored by BetOnline, your number one source for all your betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, NBA, NHL, NFL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag and receive a 50% welcome deposit with your first, uh, a 50% welcome discount rather with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your reward. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Daniel Wilcox, I want to start this week with something off the field. And this is something that's been a lot of talk here in Baltimore this week is on Lamar Jackson. After the loss on Sunday, a fan on Twitter mentioned that, hey, you know what? The Ravens should let Lamar Jackson leave in free agency and use that money to build this team into something better. And Lamar Jackson, clearly frustrated after the game, took exception to it. And he replied with, quite frankly, a very vulgar tweet. And it was somewhat embarrassing for the organization. John Harbaugh spoke the next day, and he, tell, he said, look, he tells the players, just stay off Twitter after losses. Uh, it's just not going to be a good place to be. Now, I'm not going to repeat the tweet here. You can go out and find it easily enough. But Jackson has not yet spoken. He was supposed to speak on Wednesday after practice. He did not. He left practice early, apparently, to deal with a quad injury, and he was in the training room. So we haven't yet to hear from him since this happened. But Daniel Wilcox, when you saw that, when you heard about it, what was your reaction? I was like, no, Lamar. Come on, man. <laughs> I really was, bro. I was just, you know, he's such a dynamic player, man. He's such a, a great football player. And unfortunately, he's with one of the teams that in this league that people love to hate. You know, it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get a lot of slack, too, so you can't do anything right. If you if you balling in Pittsburgh, you're going to hear people hating on you. They're going to hate on the steel curtain and the defense and the team and the steel city and Heinz Field. They're going to hate on you, you know. So the Baltimore Ravens, to me, have always been like the black sheep of the league where you're such a good team and such a dominant, you know, team that people just love to hate you. It's like I never liked Tom Brady as a player. You know, uh, my entire career, it was like F Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was such a good player. I hated him because, I, you know, I felt like he took two Super Bowl rings away from me. I had opportunity to go to two Super Bowls and had to go through him and Peyton Manning, you know. So you don't really like those guys. You know, now that he plays for one of my teams, like, I'm a Tom Brady fan. He's, he's an awesome guy, you know. <laughs> so it's like, and I'm, I don't have to face him anymore, you know. So it's just, it's one of those things. And fans are human. And unfortunately, the Internet gives people – it's like the Internet is like being drunk 24 hours a day. You know, it's like liquid courage, you know, so you got Internet courage. You say things on Internet that you would never say to somebody to their face if you saw, them. you know, so it's like people have these 
unfiltered, uncensored mouths and they just spew out like some of the dumbest rhetoric that you ever hear. And unfortunately, Lamar is going to be the target of a lot of that. You know, he don't deserve it at all. You know, he's a phenomenal player. But when you're really good, that's when people hate you the most. Um, it was a comedian at one point, Bo, that said, um, if if you don't have haters, I think it was Cat Williams. He was like, if you don't have haters, then you ain't doing something right. You know, so when you're doing really, really good at something, that's when people hate you the most. That's when I hated Tom Brady the most, when he was really, really good at his best. And um, unfortunately, that's when Lamar, he's going to get that. You know, that. Right now, like I said, you know, before the game last week, I felt like the Ravens was the best 7-3 and three team in the league. And that's because of that's a huge part of the reason. Lamar is a huge part of that reason. You know, you don't understand how much confidence a quarterback gives you going into a game. When you play with a quarterback that you know that's stuck, you go into every game with your heart beating super heavy and hard, and you have this really anxiety like, oh, my God, we got to be perfect today, you know, to try to win a game. But when you play with somebody like Lamar, you know if you run as hard as you can every single route, you may get the ball. Um, and and if you don't get it, you block, y'all may score, you know, because it's going to be that type of a game. He's, so he's he's that dynamic, you know. So And he and he and you also know that no matter what game you play in or who you're playing against, you got a legitimate chance of winning, you know? So the Twitter beef for me, you know, I understood Lamar's frustration a hundred percent. And I understood exactly why he said what he said. And, you know, he has the contract negotiation stuff going on. The man is basically playing for money right now, you know, trying to put his, you know, his talents on display. We've lost what three games now that we shouldn't have lost. Four. Um, due you could, to, you could you argue know, four. Yeah, you know, you can you really could argue for, you know, but I'm 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 gonna be I felt like that Buffalo game, I think that was the game that we really felt like we kind of got beat. Mm-hmm. You know, and we made mistakes now that could have definitely kept us in that game, but that was the only game that I mm-hmm. felt like, all right, we got beat that game. You know, mm-hmm. the rest of those games, you know, you have a fourth quarter lead um and it, and it's the league is ridiculous. You know, like a ridiculous league where you should be, you know, the Ravens notoriously known if they got a lead, they putting their ears back. They coming after you. They court your quarterback is about to be lunch, lunch meat, you know. And I mean, to give up over five hundred and thirty some yards in the fourth quarter in those four losses, I mean that's ridiculous, bro. I mean, just think about it. that's just four quarters. That's like if mm-hmm. you take those four quarters and make them one game, that's the most embarrassing game that you've ever played. And you're giving it up when you needed the most. And Lamar is going to take the heat for a lot of those losses that he didn't have anything to do with. You know, you you scored twenty seven points. You should win the game, you know. Like I told you, you know, Ray Lewis used to tell, look at us right in his face. He said, "He said all, all y'all got to do is score three touchdowns. Heck, score two. We'll score one, and we, we long as we get twenty one, they won't see twenty one. You know. So it's like you got to set a you got to set a standard. And I don't really understand. I, I really thought we turned the corner on the defensive side of the ball. I know Marlon Humphreys got hurt. You know that was a big part of it. They really took advantage of twenty one out there, and you know, but they scored the game when they touched down on Peters. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is an elite talent, so you can't not give him his his flowers. You know, you have to give him his flowers, and he he made some heck of a throws throughout that game, man. And you have to respect that they do have an elite quarterback. The kid was the number one freaking recruit in the nation coming out of high school, and took Clemson to a national title and won. You know, so it's, he's not a slouch. You know, so it's just it's one of those things, but you sit back and you shake your head like, how do you lose this freaking game? You know, you know, but like I said, it's the NFL, man, any given Sunday. Yeah, I mean, those like they'll play. Look, the other team's players are paid, too. But to your point, I mean, I didn't think Lamar Jackson played a great game in that game. But then he hits Deshaun Jackson on a 62 yard, beautiful throw is maybe his best throw of the entire season. 
And they go down, and they have the lead. With two minutes left, they have a seven-point lead. And that's when this defense that had been ascending is supposed to be able to close the door. And, in fact, they got, the, they got uh, Jacksonville in third and 21 and after a strip sack by Calais Campbell. And they still, the, the Jaguars wriggled out of that and got down the field and scored. And then they went for two. Why not, right? You're three and seven. Go for two. Try to win the game right now. And, and as I it. said, they made a play on Brandon Stevens and, and won the game. So it was frustrating. There's no question about it. And Lamar Jackson, it boiled over for him afterwards. And, and I've often said I don't think there's a player in the league that is under more pressure than Lamar Jackson this season, specifically with the contract Mm -hmm. and what he is expected to do for his offense. He's expected to be the leading rusher. He's expected to operate the passing game. And there, yeah, there's other quarterbacks now that are ascending in terms of becoming big dynamic rushers on their teams. But the combination of the contract status and what he's asked to do for this team, I don't think there's a player in the league under more pressure than Lamar Jackson and so this was it was obviously a bad look for him it's a bad look for the team and and we're waiting to kind of hear from him to see how he reacts to that he didn't as I said he didn't meet with the media Wednesday we're recording this on Thursday morning so we have yet to hear from him but the Ravens have to move on from that and they have to move on from the loss yes Bo um, you, you just brought up a very interesting point that they brought up you just brought back these memories of stupid tweets that I've heard throughout the season. And you were saying like there's other quarterbacks emerging as runners and stuff like that. And that's a prime example of some of the stress and stuff that he has to listen to on Twitter. You know, Jalen Hurts have a good game rushing. Oh my God, Jalen Hurts, the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. Lamar broke every freaking record you could break in the NFL. But all of a sudden somebody have a couple of hundred yard games rushing or, or a 100 yard game. And now they're the best rushing quarterback in the NFL, which it was. And every time Lamar have a game rushing, it's like, Hey, he's a running back anyway. Or, or you know, oh, oh yeah, you know, he, he don't do it with his arm. You know, if there's something they have to say about the man. He might have 350 yards of offense from his arm and his legs, and people still got something to say. He may have 450 yards from his arm and his leg, and people still got something to say. They, they, nobody's never, like, big up in, like, how dope this guy really is as a quarterback, as an athlete, as a ball player. And I think that also frustrates him. He sees those tweets. He sees those Instagram posts. He sees those those slick remarks that people have to say throughout the year and I think it's a, a constant buildup of his explosion on, on Twitter. And I'm, I, he had to get the frustration out. I'm sick of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sick of this, you know, like Bernie Mac. I'm sick of this. I, I, I can't take it no more. You know, so he had to say what he had to say, man. And I, I hate that he had to say it. And I hate that it came across the way that it came across. But, you know, I do understand his frustration, you know, being a man and being a ball player and wanting to be the best that you could possibly be for your program. When John Harbaugh met with the media, he said he tells the players, just stay away from that stuff after losses. It's never going to be a good place to be. (laughs) And Marlon Humphrey was telling us after, I think it was after the first big blown loss, I think it must have been after the Miami game. And he and Marlon Humphrey's very active on Twitter and on Instagram. And and he was mm-hmm. getting criticized by people. And Gus right. Edwards went up to him and said, hey, just stay away from that. What are you doing? Get off Twitter. And Humphrey yeah. said, yeah, you know, Gus made a good point. And I got I got I deleted the app off my phone and I'm just going to stay away from it for a while. Now he gets on here and there. But it's a good point by Gus Edwards. And, and Tyus Bowser said the same thing yesterday. We had talked to Tyus Bowser about because he's also another guy who's off often active. And he said, look. These people, you don't know who they are. They're sitting down in the basement somewhere. They're, they're, it's as you said, liquid courage or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they can sit down there and say whatever they want, and you're better off not to engage with them at, at, you know, at this time when, when things are not going well. Because it, as John Harbaugh said, it's just not a good place to be, and not much will ever come good out of it. So 
We'll see what happens with that. They will move on from that, and they will focus on the Denver Broncos. One other bit of news that came on uh, off the field this week is that Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman is in the running for the head coaching job at Stanford. Greg Roman, look, Greg Roman has been praised as the architect of this run offense. He has, Lamar Jackson has obviously thrived under him. Mark Andrews has thrived under him. And yet Greg Roman has also been lightning rod number one for criticism when things go bad with this offense, especially in the playoff losses. So Greg Roman's been a polarizing figure here. John Harbaugh said, look, it is a very, very preliminary, but the Stanford's looking for a head coach. Greg Roman was the assistant head coach there with Jim Harbaugh when Stanford was really good and won the Orange Bowl and went 12-1 and a few years ago. And so Roman's name has been linked to the job. John Harbaugh confirmed that he has interviewed or at least has talked to the Stanford Cardinal. How far it goes or will it will go further, we will see. But that was also a notable one. What do you think of that when you hear that Greg Roman is in the mix there? I like it, man. I think he, I would love to see him take a job, a head coaching job somewhere and get the opportunity to be a head coach. I think you always want to see coaches progress. And, um, I think it's a compliment to what, you know, what you've done as a, as a head coach for John Harbaugh by him hiring somebody that somebody think can be a head coach somewhere. I think that's an awesome, awesome, um, compliment, you know, um, also I, I feel like I think Greg has taken, Lamar as far as he could possibly take him. I think he needs to, we need to try to reevaluate that position too as well to bring somebody in that could possibly maybe take it to that next level, come up with some more creative stuff to allow him to really flourish. I've questioned some of the play calls that we've had, like, you know, Harbaugh go for it on fourth down or red zone, you'll go for the end of the game for two point conversions and we don't get them. And you're looking at the play call, like, bro, like, Come on, even the freaking shuffle pass to Mark Andrews, that was the toughest fault shuffle pass I've ever seen for a two-point conversion, but we got it. Thank you, Mark Andrews. Yeah, he fought you for know? that. He fought for it hard, man. And it, it, I, the only shuffle pass I think I've seen worse than that was the one I got against the Chargers when I was in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was just – it's just. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just I, – I do feel like the offense could be open up and and more and and you know taking advantage of more you know more trick plays you know and, and i'm not saying the ravens need to become a gimmicky offense or anything like that you know but tri- people run trick plays on the ravens every week you know but we never really see a lot of those throughout the season you know we're a pretty solid you know rpo offense type of scheme and we we don't we we run what we run and that's it you know and i can remember last year you know, when when we wasn't playing well for a stretch, when we started having all the injuries and the Marvel, like people calling out our plays, everybody mm-hmm. knows what we're doing. And there's a, a level of frustration that came from the quarterback position. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like you could feel like as a player that you're being limited, you know, um, like Cam Newton, them, when they lost the Super Bowl and they was like, they Cam them only ran four plays. We learned those four plays. We stopped those four plays. We, we, we beat them. You know, it's like you, you can't be vanilla or you can't be generic in this league for a long period of time. Like people get it. You can you can do thirty different formations and run one play. Everybody knows that in this league, you know. So no matter how you disguise the formation, how often you shift them, how often you motion them, if you're running the same play, they're gonna figure it out, you know, and they're gonna find a way to stop it, you know. And that's what's I I don't think I don't think that's stopping Lamar. I really think Lamar will really flourish in like a um like a high tempo up upbeat you know style offense where they can get multiple plays. Like even at one point of this game. Um, against Jacksonville, we had ran like 20 more plays than Jacksonville already on offense. To me, that's how it always should be. You know, we should get 80 plays. The other team should get 60 or, you know, 50 or whatever, you know, because I feel like if you get the ball out of his hand quick and just take what the defense gives you, 
a lot of times, you know, you're able to manipulate the, the, the outcome and you got those guys running a lot. And I can remember game plans that were set up when you played against teams with bigger D linemen. Hey, man, they got these big old boys. They're not going to be able to run, you know, sideline to sideline the whole game. So we literally game planned them to run them to the right, to the wide side of the field, run them to the left every single time to the wide side of the field just to wear down those big guys. Mm-hmm. And then in the third and fourth quarter, we we dropped 30 on them, you know. So it's one of those things where your game plan has to be creative like that. Take away their best guys, double team him the entire game, never let Aaron Donald beat you, right? Um, and then you you figure out ways to chip them, you figure out ways to aggravate them, and then you game plan away from them. You never run to his side, you know. Wherever they move them, you check out and you run to the opposite position that way he doesn't become a factor. He has to chase you down from the backside every play. And Lamar is such a dynamic guy. I think rolling him out of the pocket and not having him sit in the pocket all the time to be a pocket passer would be, you know, a really good thing for him. You know, bootlegs, naked swaggles, stuff like that. Greg Roman, I mean, he's he's been praised for the run. They've got they they were the most prolific running team in the history of the league in his MVP right. year and the, the 2020 they nearly did it again. The running game has been exceptional for him, and and when he gets criticized, it's usually because you mentioned play calling. Their red zone offense at Jacksonville, and frankly, all season hasn't been good. I mean, they have just not executed two for five against Jacksonville overall. And John Harbaugh said this week, look, when it comes down to red zone failures, they're frustrated. It's two Mm -hmm. things. It's scheme or it is execution, and it's both. And so for this team, that's been a problem. And so that they need to fix that. And the other problem with Greg Roman this year has been tempo. You mentioned tempo. They have ha- they, they're tied for the league lead in delay of game penalties. They could have had four or five more in the Jacksonville game. And everything sometimes seems to be running slowly. They're, they're slow getting plays in. They're slow getting to the yeah. line of scrimmage. They're rushed at the line of scrimmage. And then the play breaks down because of that. So I think that's on Greg Roman and it's on Lamar Jackson. So and and the other argument people will say is look Eric DaCosta didn't do a whole lot to give him a big a, a good group of receivers this year uh, they yeah. you know and then Rashad Bateman got hurt but there's no question Patrick Ricard and Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson have thrived under Greg Roman and so it's going to be very interesting to see what takes place in terms of Greg Roman and this Stanford job let's quickly move to the Denver Broncos. They come in here at three and eight. And I think everyone in Denver thought when they traded for Russell Wilson, this was going to trend in the other direction. What has happened to Russell Wilson? They are absolutely self-destruction. I mean, they're they're self-destructing. I don't know what's going on in in Denver right now, but whatever it is, it's not good. Um, It's something's falling apart. And I think it's I don't know if it's Russ that had got just so comfortable with being in the offense that he had in Seattle and then having to come to Denver and learn an all new offense and, you know, all new scheme. And they're not, maybe they're not putting him in the situations that he used to be in, you know, when he was in Seattle, as far as like what complements him best, but it just looked like he's not the same guy at all. And you would think he's washed up and done, you know, and then you see a lot of his ex teammates, you know, defensive guys, offensive guys kind of talking about him, not in the best light sometimes, you know, so you just try to figure out what's going on. Maybe Russ wasn't who we always thought he was. Maybe Seattle did a good job of making him look like he was better than what he was. You know, you know, sometimes good coaching actually helps. You know, that's what mm-hmm. we talk about a lot on this show, right, Bo? That's right. You know, so maybe Pete Carroll just had a really, you know, good deal that that schematically really worked well for Russell and whatever's going on in Denver right now. It ain't it, you know, because he I've never seen him so frustrated and, and struggle the way that he's struggling right now. Yeah, it's tricky. When you see players come off the field, you know, sniping at each other and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it just it doesn't look like a good situation there at all right now. And 
Frankly, this Ravens team coming off that loss to Jacksonville, I think they're getting Denver at just the right time. And then they get Pittsburgh. They go to Pittsburgh the following week. So this is a big two-week stretch. Now I want to bring up one other thing that came up recently, and that was on our sister show in Cincinnati, Believes Uh Pac-Man Jones. He said this, Everyone keeps talking about how dangerous Baltimore is. I think we win our division. Now the Bengals host Kansas City this week. They still have to face Kansas City. They have to face Buffalo, and they have to face the Ravens among and they and Cleveland, Tampa Bay, and New England. Those are their remaining games. Their opponents have a, rec- a combined record of thirty nine and twenty seven the rest of the year. The Ravens' remaining opponents are Denver this week, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh again, and then Cincinnati. Only Cincinnati of those teams has a winning record. The, the combined record of the Ravens opponents, 27 and 40. So the Bengals, 39 and 27. The Ravens, 27 and 40. Pac-Man Jones says everyone keeps talking about how dangerous Baltimore is. I think we win our division. Daniel Wilcox, who's going to win the division? Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens are going to win. <clears throat> I, I like Pac-Man. Pac-Man's an ATLian. He's from my neck of the woods. You know, um, and he's just like me, man. He, you know, he bleed orange and black. So he's supposed to say what he's supposed to say. I ble- I, ble- I bleed purple, you know. So I'm just telling you right now, the Ravens are going to figure this thing out. You know, I still think they're the best seven to four team in the league. I think we'll win our division this year. I believe, I believe, I don't even think, I believe we will win our division this year. Um, we got some kinks and stuff that we got to work out. Got a couple of injuries we got to get over again, which is, you know, almost become a, a thing here in Baltimore, getting past these injuries. You know, but um, it's, it's football, man. And and I, when it comes to football, I think the Ravens do it just about better than anybody else in this league. I don't care. Um, we'll figure it out. The coaching staff will figure it out. They'll get it together. You know, Harbaugh have his, he'll have his outburst with the coaching staff. Like, hey, fellas, we 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 got to do our part too. You know, and they'll figure it out. They'll get it together. We'll we'll be back on track this week. And sometimes it takes a loss to get you pissed off a little bit more. This is the. There's no year that this this is not the year. This team should be. Seven and four, you know, it makes no sense to me that they're sitting at seven and four right now. But I've had a season like that. You know, we had Deion Sanders on the roster. We was loaded at DB and we had the best secondary in the league on paper. And we was one of the worst that year. And um, we did. We could barely we couldn't win a game to save our lives. You know, everybody started to get hurt towards the end of the season too, including Deion. And and we just didn't play good that year. You know, Um, quarterback play is huge in this league. I think we got one of the best ones here. Um, we just got to do a better job of supporting him, you know, when it comes to play calling and supporting him on the defensive side of the ball as far as stopping the other team in crucial moments. And the Ravens usually come up big in crucial moments. And we're, we're sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't this year. So I'm well, looking forward to the Ravens defense getting better. Uh, they had been getting better. They'd been getting better for a month before that game in Jacksonville. And really, it was yeah. only the fourth quarter. They played really well for three quarters in that game. And then Trevor Lawrence yeah. had three drives in the fourth quarter that really changed the, the, the game. But their defense, yeah, they've, they'd been better. And, and the important yeah. thing with this Ravens-Bengals competition, and, and the Browns, I th- want to think they're still in it, but I think they've dug quite a bit of a hole. They get Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. back this week, but they're 4-7, and seven, and they've got a lot of work to do to pass either of these teams. But remember, the Ravens already have a win over Cincinnati from earlier in the season. So that's big. So if they teams were to go into Cincinnati uh, with the Ravens, a win would give them the season sweep. And even if they were within a game of each other and they, the Bengals win the game and they end up tied, they'll have split the, the series. And then it may come down to the divisional record. And the Bengals have lost three divisional games already, including that first game against Pittsburgh. So 
The Pittsburgh Steelers games, of course, as always, will loom large for this Ravens team. But given the schedules, given the schedules as they are, the Ravens really should have at least at least a one-game lead going into that last game at Cincinnati. And if they don't, then something's gone wrong for the Ravens. Because even if the Bengals play really well over this last six games, and they're playing well, and we talk about injuries, and they haven't had Jamar Chase, and every team's going to deal with injuries. But yeah. the schedule being what it is, there's no reason the Ravens shouldn't go into that last week with at least a one-game lead in the division, in my opinion. It will be fun, and it's a good race down the stretch, the the Bengals and the Ravens. And as I said, they will play in the final week of the season, as they have done many, many times over the last 10 years. And it could be for the division title. All right, let's get back to this week, Daniel Wilcox. Let's get our predictions for this game. Denver and Baltimore, what is your final score? I'm going to stick with the Ravens, man. Um, I I really believe the Ravens is going to pull this one off. I'm going to go 28-14 Ravens. All right, I'm going to go 27-16 Ravens. I just I don't see Denver doing enough to win it and I think Baltimore's defense is better. For all the collapse at the end of that game last week for for 3 quarters they were really good in Jacksonville. And I just think as you said, Russell Wilson, that's a dysfunctional team coming to town and the Ravens are angry again after another loss like that. And so I don't know if they can put up the big numbers this week. But I do sure like them to be able to produce enough points and the defense to be able to do enough to win it. So I've got Denver winning, or I got the Ravens rather, winning 27 to 16. All right, we will see how that goes. And then we'll be back next week to preview Pittsburgh week, the first of two Steeler weeks. And I can tell you, and you know, Daniel Wilcox, there is a different feel in that locker room every year for Steeler week. It just is the way it is. Uh, And I know the Steelers are down this year. But that will not change. I promise you, in that locker room next week, there is going to be a vibe about Steeler Week. We'll deal with that next week. Right now, it'll be this Sunday. It'll be Denver for Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. This is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast presented by Bet Online.